Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. One's for the birds, this one's for the city. This one for the fans that bleed green with me. Push down to 95 to the right is the link. With a team pulling up, knowing that they're getting beat. Exit Broad Street, right on Patterson. Xfinity Live, CPP, what's happening? Dub F Lot, stop by F1. Fly, Eagles fly, you hear the song getting sung? What team in the league is number one? Bird Gang, Bird Gang, yeah, I said it twice. You heard me say it once, now you sure you heard it right. No lies being told, yeah, it's all facts. It ain't me. Brenda Kelly, we don't rock with that. Any given Sunday, we don't ever slack. Yeah, we got an SP, time to run it back. And even on the road, yeah, we taking over. All you see is see a green like you at the Nova. Care less about your squad, bro, it's only us. A cheesesteak tailgate, yeah, we good, bro. Beer pong baptism, you already know. Con shot, tomato pie, bring three of fun. After every bird game, you know where to be. Fourth of John, NBC, in the heart of Philly. About the birds, about the birds, all about the birds. E-Rock, yeah, sign the Hollywood. Here we go. Broadcasting live from NBC Sports Philadelphia Studios in the heart of the Wells Fargo Center. Welcome to 4th and John, episode 107. Well, this one's going to be fun. Boys and girls, there is a lot that I can forgive when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team. Because I love them and I want them to succeed. There was a lot that I can let slide when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team because I love them and I want them to succeed. There's a lot that I can brush off my shoulder or let roll off my back. I will always err on the side of positivity when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team. I will always look at it from an optimistic point of view. I will always look at the glass half full. Half full. I can forgive losing if the team gives a valiant effort in the process. That's part of being in the NFL. That's what makes the National Football League what it is. I can look past a lack of talent. Every once in a while, you're going to go up against a team that's more talented than you. Them's the breaks. That happens in the National Football League. But will I? what I will not forgive... What I will not let slide, what I will not let roll off my back, and what is absolutely unacceptable is losing to the Dallas Cowboys, better yet, getting bent over and spanked by the Dallas Cowboys in front of a national primetime audience by doing the same dumb crap that have cost you game after game after game. The same crap that hasn't had the lack of urgency to go out and win a football game by not learning from your mistakes knowing full well looking at the landscape of the National Football Conference knowing full well that you have to win this division to get into the playoffs and coming out and playing with a lack of heart, a lack of soul, a lack of balls playing, playing softer than the ice cream that Doug Peterson likes to serve after team meetings. It is absolutely positively 100% unacceptable especially when your head football coach goes out there the Monday before the game and says that you're going down the Jerry world, coming out with a dub and you're going to lead the NFC East unacceptable what we saw Sunday night And now we have to come to terms with a lot of things. Because this team won a Super Bowl not too long ago. It seems like only yesterday. But I am sick of talking about the Super Bowl. Because when I look at this team, when I look up and down the roster, I see a lot of the same components that were there when they won it in Minnesota. And we had a parade. 
the longer we go on, the less I start to recognize this football team that won a Super Bowl. We're going to have to have some difficult conversations inside of this studio, some difficult and uncomfortable conversations if they keep playing the way that they're playing. Because at what point, at what point do we look at that Super Bowl run and just say, hey, that was lightning in a bottle? At what point do we look at that Super Bowl win and just say, hey, that was our year? At what point do we look at that Super Bowl win and say the football gods just smiled upon the city of brotherly love like, hey, look, I'm sick of hearing you complain about the Super Bowl. Here you go. Trophy, parade, the whole thing. Just try not to burn the city down and try not to eat any horse. Well, look, there they go. At what point do we start to realize that this team is exactly who we think they are? To quote Denny Green. And they're a three and four team. At what point do we start to look at this team and realize that they're 13 to 12 since that Super Bowl? What point do we look at this team and realize that if you take away that 2017 magical season, Doug Peterson and this Philadelphia Eagles team is 20 and 21. We had high hopes going into the season. We wanted this Philadelphia Eagles to succeed. I feel like I've been duped, bamboozled, hoodwinked into thinking that this team was going to win another Super Bowl. And they've been playing absolutely average football. We got a lot to get into in this show. We got, we, we got plenty of Dallas Cowboys reaction. We're going to play the blame game because right now a lot of people are pointing the finger up and down the timeline. And you know what? A lot of you is right. But it's not just one person. There's plenty of blame to go around. And, of course, we've got your fan rants coming up, videos that you, the fans, submitted. But first, I want to pass it off to my man, Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Session. What's up, McFoley? Uh, <laughs> uh, hanging in there, man. Uh, I feel like an angry dad right now. <laughs> like, it's, it's at this point, you're, like, you're so mad that, like, yo, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm looking you dead in the eye. Not saying much. I'm just disappointed. I mean, you embarrassed the city of Philadelphia. You embarrassed the fan base. But most importantly, you embarrassed yourself uh, and, and, and your coach as well. But, I mean, on, on Sunday, you played with no pride, no heart, zero leadership or passion. Coaches being outcoached. Uh, complete meltdown from the top to the bottom. Obviously, it starts with Doug Peterson. He, he alluded to it in his press conference. It does start with Doug Peterson. I mean, where do you go here? You started with this. Everything matters in the offseason. Now, now, moving forward, we're going to see what really matters to this football team. Like, I mean, going down the line, I mean, there's, there's uh, multiple penalties, uh, guys making mistakes, uh, the, the lack of production from the wide receivers, lack, lack of production from the guys on the depth, depth chart, uh, the defense. I mean, what kind, of, like, what kind of defense are we playing? I mean, for, for Jim Schwartz, uh, y- 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 your defense keeps doing dumbass things. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to be labeled as a dumbass. So I think Jim Schwartz, I want, I want to see something from this defense. I mean, don't keep putting these guys out in positions to fail. I mean, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of injuries. I, I get it. There's a lot of injuries. But at, but at the end of the day, please, Philadelphia Eagles, play with some pride. Because if, if you don't play with pride, I mean, the fan base will let you know. I've been, I, I've been internally raging for like the last two days. I've tried to stay, do my best to stay off of social media. I've tried my best not to vent and try to save it for the show, but I have been internally raging because this loss stings. And Doug Peterson can stand up there in front of the media and say, listen, we're close. I don't care. I don't care that you're close. Doug Peterson can stand up there and say, we're going to, I don't care. I don't care that you think you're going to win. Stop trying to convince us and convince yourselves. Like, the, the, now is not the time to put a little loving on it. Now is not a time for ice cream. Now is not a time for hugs. We, Doug Peterson keeps saying that we're close. Bro, we're one game away from the halfway point in this season. And what part about this Philadelphia Eagles team outside of the Green Bay Packers game suggests to you that this is a playoff team? We're approaching the trade deadline. Should they make a move? Should they not? What part of what you've seen over the first seven weeks tells you that this team should make a move? What part of this team tells you that we are one Buffalo Bills loss away from all of a sudden not making phone calls but taking phone calls? I, I, I don't think we're selling. I, I don't think we're there yet. I think, I think, 
we, we still have an opportunity, you know, to get back in the first place if, if this team comes together. But that's the biggest issue. I mean, you keep on hearing things popping off in the locker room, you know, like little things coming out. Players, I mean, the leaders of this football team, like a Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Elaine Johnson, their stories aren't matching. Uh, you know, it, that's the most concerning part. You know, you, you start to think back, like, are, are these players buying in? Like, you, you go back to even when Nigel Bradham in the offseason, during the uh, last preseason uh, game, he didn't show up. He didn't, he didn't think to call or anything. Or uh, That kind of stuck out to me in a, in a sense where what kind of – like, it, it, are, is Coach Peterson holding these accountable, these players accountable for the fact that I'm, I'm not going to – I'm going to miss a preseason game and I'm not going to even call the team? Like, these are the kind of things that are, like, popping up in my head. I'm like, I'm trying to look for, like, little – Stories that I, you know, I pieced together over the offseason, like w- what could point to the, the wrongs that are going on right now? And, that, and that's something all of a sudden you look at Zach Brown being released and him being like, well, he's not in with the program. He wasn't buying into the program. Maybe he took a look at what was happening around here. And after seeing the dumpster fire that happened in Washington, maybe he got to the Eagles and was just like, this is maybe not as bad. But you have to wonder, what did Zach Brown see to make him not buy in? What are these other players on the team seeing that's making them not buy in? What if all of a sudden leaders like Malcolm Jenkins and Lane Johnson, who you just mentioned, all of a sudden stop buying in? Evan Hollywood Hearn, please. Invoke some confidence into this conversation. Came to the wrong guy. Yeah. Dale, you, uh, I admire your optimism to say that if we were to lose this game, we're not going to be sellers. To be sitting there at 3-5, and five, I think that's a, that's a heck of a hole to dig yourself down into and then to try and dig yourself back out of, especially when we've got what we've got going on with the locker room. Uh, quite frankly, when we've got multiple leaders that are speaking out, to, like Malcolm Jenkins, like Lane Johnson, like we got guys talking against our franchise quarterback. Guys, I this is the truth of what's... Th- this is the reality. It is going to get worse before it gets better. That's what's going to happen. I, ha- I, I I'm sorry that that's what you want to hear. I mean, that's what I got to say, but that's what has to be said. Um... Have you guys ever been left in such disbelief and such disappointment that you end up laughing? You ever, yeah. you ever, you ever do that? That was me um, around, I don't know, uh, had to be 8.32 p.m. Uh, me and my buddy, I don't get many Sundays off. We sat around, watched all the games, watched the clock all day long for the Eagles to come on. We just wanted to watch the Eagles. Guess what? Six minutes into the game, it's over. It was 14 nothing. six minutes into the game. Wow. And Dallas was getting the ball in the second half. Uh, Eagles, two crucial turnovers. I find a lot of irony in the fact that on the same exact day that we cut Zach Brown for his statements that he made against Kirk Cousins, Doug Peterson goes out and says and guarantees a win down in Dallas. Zach Brown might, might not have been contributing to the level that you wanted, but to go out and cut him for what he said and then turn around and make a statement like that and that not follow up on it, I like. I don't see how that's not hypocritical. I don't see how that's making the situation any better. Um, this team, I'll reiterate, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Wow. And and and, and listen, a, a lot of people want to poo-poo off what exactly Doug Peterson said. I was not one of those people because a lot of people want to forgive him and say that wasn't locker room material. Hey, I want our coach believing in our guys and saying that they're gonna they're gonna win and believing that they're gonna win. If that was Jason Garrett who said that before coming to Philadelphia and said that we were going to come to Philadelphia and we were going to beat the Eagles and we were going to be in first place in the NFC East and then lost, we would be giving it to the Cowboys. I would have called out of work the next day just to keep crapping on on Dallas Cowboy Mm -hmm. fans. Like, this stuff needs to stay in the locker room. Loose lips will ultimately and always sink Ships, Leave it in the locker room. I don't need guys in the locker room for the second straight year talking bad about Carson Wentz and probably the same dude. Howard Eskin said it was, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. That's neither confirmed nor denied. But we all kind of think we know who it is. We don't need people talking about the franchise quarterback. We don't need Lane Johnson, who, by the way, got beat on that strip sack, telling the media, look, it's going to be a calling out party. We don't need Doug Peterson trying to push through the media. Like, what are you doing, dude? 
Like, like, are you are you trying to push on? Hey, he's just showing that he believes in his team. That's great. Leave it in the locker room. Yeah. There's stuff out here that we don't need. Gail, you've been inside a locker room. I mean, you got there's a, there's a point in time where you you have to know that you're in front of a reporter and you know the reporter is like with his pen or, or with, with his phone out, like ready to take some quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just seeing like, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, a guy who our defensive leader get trucked by Zeke, trucked. And then looking at uh, Lane Johnson, a guy who, you know, didn't have his best game, his best game against Marcus Lawrence, um, give up a, a sack, a strip fumble. Um, but it, it's it's time to look inside, and, and not tell everyone what's going on. But you you have to know, you have to have uh, awareness, and it, it, it's that that's the sad part about it. It's evidence of a larger problem, because you know, being in a locker room, Gail, you played you played the game. Being in a, a, a locker room, when you start to hear stuff start to seep out from different from different places and different players, and so and so is pointing the finger at so and so for everything that you hear, there's a hundred things yeah. going in that locker room that you do not hear. For every little piece of information that you get, there's a hundred things that you don't see behind the curtain. For every little jab in the media. There's stuff going like that in the locker room. You have to rely on these leaders to lead. And what I'm seeing right now is guys like Lane Johnson, who I respect, who works his tail off, just not leading. I'm not seeing Malcolm Jenkins, who is the ultimate leader on the on the hierarchy of leaders, just go, well, not, not, I don't know what he's talking about. Not in my, uh, not in my meetings. There's people talking about being late. Yeah. And Doug wants to blame it on traffic? We won a Super Bowl largely on the back. And I hate bringing up that freaking Super Bowl again. But we won a Super Bowl largely on the, on the shoulders of locker room chemistry. On, on the chemistry and the unity of the locker room. And now you can see evidence that that locker room is in absolute shambles. And it's unacceptable. I mean, I'm, I know the real answer. It's too much ice cream. I think the, the new flavor is uh, Rocky Road because uh, <laughs> right now where the Eagles are going... It, you were saving that one. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad place. Of if all they, the times, if they, they don't, that out. <laughs> if they don't get it together, there will be no more Rocky Road ice cream for you, Philadelphia Eagles. Well, there's, pl- there's plenty of blame to go around. There's plenty of blame and plenty of frustration. So before we came in studio tonight, I asked you to kind of like... Listen, not pie charted out. I don't. I don't need this turning into an arts and craft show or, or or an after school project here. I didn't want to give people homework and have dioramas and stuff like that. But I wanted you to kind of assi- assign the blame and then to further discuss it. So, Gail, I'm going to start it off with you. Let's play the blame game. Percentage. Give me your top blame where you're pointing the finger and assign a percentage to it. I'm. I'm, I'm going fifty percent. Uh... Howie Roseman right now, because uh, obviously you you have to be prepared and you have to have a, a contingency plan um, for or for a team that was lacking speed. Uh, it's great to have Deshaun Jackson back, but a plan in place for the next guy up. You know, like I, I get JJ uh, Arcega Arcega Whiteside is a receiver that you drafted. He's not the speed demon type. He's maybe more of an Alshon type type. I know Miko. Hardman, a guy that went right before uh, the, the Eagles were picking. That's an interesting idea. Maybe they knew, uh, they had an idea that you were going to pick Miko Hardman, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but it, it, it's just a matter of, like, you have to put this team in a place to succeed. And when I look at some of the moves that have been made by other GMs, and I, and I talk about, you know, you have to be aggressive in the, in the, in the right window. When there's players that are there for the taking, you make the move. I'm going to look at, I'm going to go, you know, we talk about the Patriots a little bit here and there. Okay. But Belichick, a guy who's been to the Super Bowl time and time again, a guy who's a, G, a coach, a GM, getting things done. I mean, being aggressive. New England traded a, a first and a third for Brandon Cooks in 2017. Flipped Cooks for a fourth, uh, for a first um, in 2018, Pats sent the 2019 fifth round for Josh Gordon, in conditional seventh round. Pats landed AB for a one-year, 15 million, and today they just traded for Sanu for a second. 
That means from top to bottom, receivers, you could name, like they even, they even kicked the tires on Jordan Matthews. You're talking about a team that's always willing to get weapons for their starting quarterback, Tom Brady. You're talking about teams that are in sync, that are ready to make the move and ready to make the move when it needs to happen. Did you see Jalen Ramsey play against Julio Jones this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I'm telling you. Did you see Marcus Peters pick six? Oh, my God. I mean, I'm just saying there's, there's moves that need to be made in a certain amount of time. The fans see it. We, we, we've seen this coming down the road, and now we're here. Uh, so uh, if you want to wait for these players to get he- healthy, the season could be over. Um, so, I mean, I think Howard Roseman, you got to make some moves here. And we have a couple days. We got a couple days here. <laughs> okay. That's, that's my 50. Continue. <laughs> the other 50% is, is Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I give like I give some I, I give some blame on some of the players here. I'll, I'll do that, but Doug Peterson, the play calling has been atrocious. There's no creativity. You got people talking about the Frank Reich theory. I mean, that's 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 a thing. I mean, we haven't seen creativity in a long time. Nope. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a problem. And I think Doug Peterson, you lead the ship. You can write the ship. You, you can get these players believing in themselves, believing in you, and believing in your play calling. Uh, I mean, his play calling has been a serious issue. I mean, you're, you're trailing in every single game. We're, we're, we're talking about our quarterback who's having a tough time coming from behind all the time. I mean, you're putting your, your team in a, a tough situation, and you are the head coach, and you are calling the plays. So let's get it together. So, just to clarify, you're going 50% Howie, 50% Doug. 45% Doug and 5% the players. 5, 5% the players. Okay. <laughs> Evan Hollywood Her. I'm going to get back to you, Lumberjack. All right. So, um, one name I didn't hear come up in, uh, in Gail's explanation. 50% of my blame falls on Jim Schwartz. I've been, uh, I've been on this guy since for a few weeks now. Okay. I've been bringing up each week just how no, no matter, there's, not, there's not a good scheme that's being brought to the table as far as the defense. Every single week, it doesn't matter whether we win or lost the game. There's been guys that have been getting torched on our defense and not the adjustments that need to be made in order to, in order to uh, alleviate that. Doug is 25% of my blame. So I got 75% so far, and that, a lot ha- that has a lot to do with what Gail said with the, uh, the scheme that we're going into. How Doug is also losing complete control of this locker room with the leader speaking out. He needs to put his foot down and be an actual head coach. And then the other 25% is split between Carson and the wide receivers, evenly. Carson, because he's holding on to the ball too long, and he's not being... While he's showing flashes of his Carson eliteness, there's also flashes of mediocrity that that have been going on Ooh. Mm. and right. as for the wide receivers I mean he is putting the ball in the hands some of the time some they got the they to haul it in and some, some of them are reaching out for it alright I'll, 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 I'll break it down a little bit and then we'll go we'll go back to, what, to exactly what you said number one injuries 35% injuries are going to get 35% of the blame for me because I strongly feel that if Deshaun Jackson was healthy, that if Malik Jackson was healthy, that if uh, Timmy Jernigan was healthy, that Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, who are role players, but if they were healthy, if Jason Peters wasn't checking out of, his, out of games and he was healthy, if we weren't dealing with Camus being injured and having to wait for him to come back, if Cravon was, wasn't injured, we would not be talking about a three and four Philadelphia Eagles team. At worst, we would be talking about a five and two. Maybe some of those games get turned around. The injuries have become a constant thread with this Philadelphia Eagles team following it like it's shadow. And I know it's lazy to kind of blame the medical department, but something's going on here. You can't have you can't be this snake bitten when it comes to the injuries. So I really feel that if some of those players were taking the field that should be taking the field that originally was supposed to be taking the field, we would have a different outcome. Doug Peterson, I'm giving 20% of the blame. Because listen, dude, I really think that your RPO nonsense has been figured out. We've said it on this podcast before in 2016 when he first came into when he first announced his head coaches of the Philadelphia Eagles, the R- Eagles, the R- Eagles, the Eagles got some blame too. Okay. The Philadelphia Eagles, 
Like it was 15% of the playbook. When they won the Super Bowl, it was like 60 to 65% of the playbook. And simply defenses didn't know how to defend it. Defenses and defensive coordinators who have spent decades watching film and reacting to the new trends in the league have figured out your little RPO game. It's time to start switching it up. Not only that, but as you touched on, Evan Hollywood Hearn, you're starting to lose the locker room. Everybody has had that job that they've gone to and they were all hyped up about and they bought into it and the manager and you had those meetings and you were really buying into the job, right? Mm -hmm. And then you started not to listen to the manager. The manager started to repeat itself. The message started to get stale. You started to get sick of it and all of a sudden you start checked out. In a job, in a relationship, in a friendship, anything in this life, once you've checked out of something, once you start buying out of something, it's hard to buy back in. Really hard. It's hard to check yourself. This is relatable. You guys listening at home, you've been in similar situations. And I feel like Doug, through this, putting some loving on them and ice cream and defending his boys has not, it's not resonating with the team anymore. When you have leaders that were once before stepping up for the guys in the locker room, now going against guys in the locker room, you're starting to lose the locker room. And while I do think that Doug Peterson, as he lost the locker room, is getting a little bit overblown, uh, you can't help but take a look at it and think there's got to be some sort of truth to it. Here's where you guys are going to argue with me. Howie Roseman, I'm giving 5% of the blame to. And at the risk of sounding, uh, yeah, I see the Gale face. We got Gale face incoming. At the risk of sounding like a Howie apologist, what exactly did you expect him to do this offseason? What else did you want that man to do? He had one of the busiest, most aggressive offseasons of any team in the NFL. Trading for Jordan Howard, trading for Deshaun Jackson. As soon as Malik Jackson was available, he came and swooped in and got him. What exactly more did you want Howie Roseman to do? A lot of these players that we just mentioned got injured. That's out of Howie's control. All the national pundits... Us in here, Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio was talking about how this is the deepest roster in the NFL. The deepest and most talented. So let's not have a little revisionist history and say that Howie Roseman wasn't doing his job. I see people on the timeline saying, well, Deshaun Jackson's an older wide receiver with an injury history. You should have anticipated that. How many wide receivers do you really want him to keep on the roster? And if you keep an extra wide receiver, let's say like a Greg Ward, and by the way, your answer to this problem is not Greg Ward, but if you wanted to keep more wide receivers, what position that is already thin are you taking players away from that then become thin, which then again, you point the finger at Howie Roseman and say, it's his fault again. Then we talk about the drafting. The drafts have sucked. The drafts have absolutely sucked. But again, when you're handcuffed to a guy who, again, is supposed to be stacking your draft board and none of those draft picks are coming to fruition, how can you sit there and just point the finger at Howie Roseman when everything goes to, to, to crap? How can you point the finger at Howie Roseman? Doesn't Howie Roseman have final say? Howie Roseman does have final say, but he's going off of a board that was stacked for him. He's going off of a board that was stacked for him. Howie's been here for a minute now. He's got enough intelligence where he's got to make the final say, and he's got to own it. When's so, the last time we hit on a guy outside of the first and second round? Carson in the Wentz. Draft? Outside of the first and second round. Mm. Uh, Who's the last guy that... I mean, like, you, can, you can argue Jalen Mills. You can argue Avante Max. You can, you can argue that. Jordan Hicks, who don't play for us no more? I mean, they hit on him, though. That, you, you asked the question. Drafting is 10% for me. <laughs> moving, moving on. Listen, you have an aging roster, and much like the Phillies did a couple years back when it was Rollins and Howard, and it was, it was an aging roster, you got nothing in the farm. Oh, Avante Maddox, sorry. You, 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 you've, got no, you've got nothing in the tank whatsoever. So drafting has been a huge part of this. The secondary is 15%. If you were going to point at any one, any one positional group on this franchise, in this franchise, it's the secondary. When that Dallas Cowboys tight end was wide open in the end zone, it looked like something I photoshopped. It didn't look real. There was nobody even close to him. 
And that comes with miscommunication. And yes, that absolutely does come with Jim Schwartz and everything like that. Chemistry is going to be another 10% for me. I'm breaking it down. I'm, I'm breaking it down into the little minor categories. Chemistry is going to be 10%. This team has absolutely zero swag. Zero swag means zero heart. Zero heart means zero confidence. I, I was looking at highlights of this Philadelphia Eagles team and watching their touchdown celebrations from 2017. Remember bowling? Remember when they're going into the end zone and taking a picture? The home run. It's been a remember long tours? time. It's been a long time. This team, slide. This team's got zero swag to it. And that is evidence of the chemistry. That is evidence of the discord inside the locker room. And lastly, I'm going to give 5% to Wentz. Got to play better. I know, I'm, I, I know that I'm a Wentz stan, but listen, if, I'm being, if truth is being told from my perspective, you want to talk about booing the chamber that I've had to Derek Barnett? I've silently had one in the revolver. I've had a boo, boo bullet in the revolver. Guess who that boo has been for? Carson Wentz. That boo has been Carson Wentz. Because what did I say going into this season? He has had everything done for him to make him feel comfortable in this organization. They let Nick Foles walk. They signed him to a contract. That draft was supposed to be for him. Your left tackle of the future, your running back of the future, and a wide receiver who can't even see the field. They went and traded and got you a running game, and they got you a deep threat. You should be comfortable. Now, again, a lot of those guys got injured, injured which brings me to my 35%. But Carson's got to own some of it. I can't, I can't put as much on Carson as other people want to put on it. He gets the 5%. It's interesting. I like it, though. Yeah, I mean, the, he... You, di- you, you clearly disagree on the Howie Roseman thing. I mean, I, I think... What more, what more did you want the guy to do? I mean, there's, there's guys he could have drafted. There's guys that were speed... So why receivers. wasn't Joe Douglas, who stacks the board, well, telling him to draft those guys? You don't know guys. exactly who they had. Joe Douglas had number one. Yeah, but how you know how these drafts go? Well, I knew the I, I knew they were going miles. You make the Sanders. board, you stack the board, you do not deviate from said board. Who is in charge of stacking the board? Who's in charge of picking? Ultimate say, Howie Rose. All right, then that goes to the blame. And as far as the there moves, the and, and as far as the moves that could have been made, or taking a look at the New England Patriots and seeing what they're doing and feeling like the Eagles could, and and more specifically, Howie Roseman could have done more. You've got one of the top one, two, three, I don't know. It's the geriatric club over there. You've got an aging roster right now. So you can't have it both ways. You can't trade away first-round picks and then get younger. And then get younger. You can't have it both ways. Jalen Ramsey you could have. And I'm sorry, Jalen Ramsey was not going to fix this. Jalen Ramsey was not going to fix this. You want to say he's the best corner in the league? You're not going to get any argument from me. You want to see that, say that he takes away half the field? You're not going to get any argument from me. So how would that not improve the situation? Because Dak Prescott and the, and, and the Dallas Cowboys put up 40 points on the Jackson... I'm sorry, when did the Jacksonville Jaguars win a Super Bowl? When did Jacksonville Jaguars ever reach a Super Bowl? It takes more than just one corner. And yes, they were a flawed team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So was... What, so are the Philadelphia but Eagles. But what about the play calling, though? Like, I mean, uh, the play calling is, is obvious obvious issue it's a problem i'm not, I'm not denying a, that it's a huge problem I, i'm just trying to move i'm just trying to move on to the fact that we're up against a trade deadline exactly a week from today and i'm seeing eagles fans being upset because the eagles aren't trading for 30 plus year old receivers on an expiring contract as if that was going to do the trick i mean if you if if, if you're not trying People to make are reacting a, if, to if you're not trying to make a move at this point moment you're also sending a sign to the players in the locker room if the, if the lo- players in the locker room are actually talking about the Jalen Ramsey th- issue obviously they, they see an because issue. Golden Tate last year solved everything yeah, the, like every, every we were every, sitting on every our hands year, every year you're gonna go so, so if a trade doesn't work out you go to the next year like well since we did it last year we can't do no you get you do this every year you upgrade every opportunity that mm-hmm. you can Golden Tate is not the so we had a bad bad situation with that we're not gonna keep on trading players when there, there's a moment to get better when you, you do it when you get care. blasted two weeks in a row to just say that the status quo is perfectly yeah. fine I don't understand you don't think that. the safeties are like yo if we don't but get you're some, wasting your time if you, you don't you're think wasting this, your you time think the safeties are saying like yo if we don't get some better play on the outside or we're, we're done and you're not telling the coach like look we need some some players to come in here yeah like I'm, I'm he's call, Malcolm Jenkins is calling uh <laughs> is calling uh Sidney Jones a sucker 
He literally said, that's what he was saying. And if, if Craig James is your backup nickel and your second round pick and Sidney Jones is not playing, they're obviously an issue with Sidney Jones. And some, you, you, you know they're saying something. They were, they were saying a couple weeks ago how he's soft, how he needs to fight through the pain. Okay, and that's your players on the roster. But you can't just – listen, if your argument is that they haven't drafted well enough, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Their drafts have been absolute garbage the last three years. But the answer then is to not willy-nilly start throwing draft picks if, at Band-Aids no, when you're bleeding it, from not, an artery. But it's not – these players have to make sense. A guy like Chris Harris would make sense. You're throwing a third-round pick. And, and, and Chris Harris is – if we trade for Chris Harris right now, we're a playoff team. Uh, let, let, let's make an analogy to, like, this whole season is one game. If we go in and we're getting blasted in the first half of a game, Doug Peterson goes into the locker room for halftime and he makes adjustments. Howie Roseman needs to make adjustments for the second half of the season. But you're not going to make adjustments just for the sake of making adjustments. You're making the same mistake twice. And we've seen other teams like you can't compare yourself what's, to the, the New England Patriots. What's the which, mistake though? It's it's called being aggressive or not being aggressive. Because that is not the answer. Chris <laughs> so Harris is getting Chris Harris thirty eight points a game against us. Bruh. Listen, this is the this is the roster that you currently have. You need all the assets and to trust the process to draft. You got to draft better. Did you see Orlando Scandrick with outside? Yeah, I saw it. It sucks. Uh, come so on now. bring it bring it in, in a thirty year old. Cornerback, a playmaker. You're just, you, now, you, now you just, yeah, you're just trying for everything. You're I'm throwing not. something against the wall to see if it sticks. But, he, but he's also a guy that I would think about keeping next year. Like when you, when you think about next year, who out of these cornerbacks, Darby is he's gone, right? Darby's gone. Jones should be gone. Rizzo There's a lot of players that could. You be need gone. to draft a replacement. You need yeah. to draft better. Again, if your argument is they can't... And if can't, you got two threes, struck, why wouldn't you throw a three for Chris Harris? Because you need all the assets oh, that okay. you can get. I'll take, a, I'll take a corner. I will take a corner. You'll take a corner. Or I will but, take but, interior but what, pressure. What ultimately do you think that's going to get you? Hey, so a Band-Aid but, on the rest of the but season? It, it's oh, all, oh, congratulations. But, you got a Band-Aid. But it's also showing to the roster that you're you're. If you're, you can't get – if you have to make to better. an ill-timed move to convince your roster that you're making an attempt after everything you did during the offseason, you got bigger problems than a 30-year-old. So, so what, do you, what do you suggest so you want, change? You, you want to move forward with Huggins? Uh, Nothing. Uh, as your, your DT? Nothing. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get another player. There, it, we're, if we're, there's we're, a player we're, available, we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get into some. If there's a Geno Atkins available, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna play. But what play. I'm saying is that yes, the Eagles do need to get better at drafting. But the answer to the woes that they have right now, Jalen Ramsey was not going to fix this. Sanu was not going to fix this. Would have they have gotten better? Absolutely. You're not playing a second for Sanu anyway. You're not. Because you are on a different – stop comparing yourself to the New England – you are yeah, not, not New I'm, England Patriots. I'm comparing, I'm comparing the aggressiveness of a, of a franchise that is willing to win in a window. You make if you and have what they the moves, the, and what they did in the offseason wasn't any evidence that they're trying to no, win that right means now. From top to bottom, from George Matthews they, to AB, they're making aggressive moves to bring players in every time they. They're also the defending Super Bowl champion. And in that's all why likelihood, they are, they they are, are buyers. They are buyers right now because they. It, but this all, is how sports work. You draft well. You get yourself in a position where you have a good, solid team via the draft. You build through the draft. And when you think you're on the cusp, when you think you're on that absolute brink of achieving something special, you then become buyers. And then you can foolishly start slinging draft picks up against players that you think are going to win you a championship this year. There is nobody, nobody, nobody available or that has been available this year that is going to put this current Philadelphia Eagles team over over the hump and into the Super Bowl. And if it ain't about the ring, I don't want to hear about it. Just collect your assets, draft for the future. That's where I'm coming That's from. That's a wrap? Ah. What you just said? That's a wrap? You, know, you get better at every opportunity you can. That's, that's plain and simple. When, you, when, you, when you're stuck with uh, Mac Hollins, is, how many snaps has he had? How many balls 139. How many balls has he got? Uh, zero? One? One, uh, one mean, catch for 13 yards? That, it's an issue. Your quarterback's in trouble right now, looking for a target. It's an issue. Zach Rosenblatt, uh, writer for NJ.com. Really, really great Philadelphia Eagles beat writer. Put out a very interesting, thought, kind of thought-provoking article that was sick trade ideas for Howie Roseman before the deadline. All right? Hmm. And uh, before we get into this, 
articles are written like this to generate conversation. So I'm going to throw these things out there. You're going to agree or disagree with it. You're going to give your thoughts on it, but that certainly isn't knocking the author. This is, this is to have a conversation based upon an article to generate conversation. First and foremost, uh, let's go Eagles get defensive jet, defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Jets get a 2020 fourth round pick. Would you pull that trigger? I pull it. I feel I, better, than, better than Huggins at this point. Seven sacks in 2016, 25 years old, in the last year of his contract, coming off of his rookie deal. Fourth round pick. Again, take a look at what the Eagles have drafted in the fourth round. It's not that great. In the fourth round, you're really looking for either quality backup depth or special teams, and to get a starting defensive tackle in an area of position where you absolutely need, again, due to injury, 35%. Due to injuries, I would absolutely... Hey, listen, you want to give up a fourth for a starting defensive tackle interior pressure, Gale? I'm with you on that 100%. Let's go... Uh, uh, speaking of the Jets, Jets uh, wide receiver Robbie Anderson and a 2020 sixth round pick. Jets get a 2020 third round pick and cornerback, all our favorite cornerback, Sidney Jones. Um, over that all day long. But Robbie Anderson will provide what we need in this wide receiving core, as at least think, help it. Don't you think it'll cost more than that? For Robbie? Yeah. No, it shouldn't. The guy went undrafted. Didn't he go? Didn't they have like a second round tender on him last year? I mean, they like him, but the Eagles tried to trade for him last year. Didn't, didn't get the job done, but maybe, you know, when you throw in a sixth round pick, when you're throwing in a third round pick, Sidney Jones, you try to get Anderson. Listen, there's youth, all right? Three out of the four uh, last four seasons, you he had 10-plus catches of 20-plus yards. He's your long-term deep threat post-Deshaun Jackson. Third-round pick? Uh, okay, I'll do it. Third-round third pick. Let's move on. Eagles get uh, from Atlanta cornerback uh, Desmond Trufant. Falcons get 2020 second round pick and once again our favorite cornerback Sidney Jones. Would you do that? Sidney Jones no, went, went in the second round and he didn't pan out the way we wanted. So I, 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 a la Gale's point earlier where we trade a third for Chris Harris, I would take that. You would take that. Gale? I take Chris Harris. <laughs> yeah, we're going. I'm not doing too far. True, I, and and um, he, go, he goes on the right. Trufant is in perfect acquisition primarily because of his contract. $35.25 million in his base salary over the next three years. No, yeah. that's a hard pass. Yeah. Keeping on the Falcons, defensive end, Vic Beasley. Falcons get 2020 fourth-round pick. Would you trade a fourth-round pick for Vic, Vic Beasley? Uh, what's, what's he getting paid, though? That's, that's, that's the issue here. I have no idea. 27 years old, 15.5 sacks in 2016, no more than five sacks uh, for the remainder of his career, hmm. uh, an expiring contract. He's a, he's a guy on the decline. He's a guy on the decline. He's an aging veteran. Yeah. Would you do it? Uh, I'm kind of iffy on that one. Yeah, but no. For a fourth-round pick, I don't like it either. And uh, lastly, one that kind of caught my eye that he wrote about, the Miami Dolphins. Eagles get wide receiver Devontae Parker. Dolphins get a 2020 fifth-round pick. Uh, yeah, I'd do that one. Yeah, I would do that for a fifth round. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. we're talking third, fourth, fifth round picks, especially when you're talking about fourth and fifth round picks, to bring in starters that you think you can sign long term, to fill positions of need, absolutely. Because you're talking about your percentage of hitting on certain picks. You don't mm -hmm. look at just the round or the position. Oh, it's going to be a late round, first round pick, so it's practically... No, I don't believe in any of that. Mm -hmm. I believe in the percentage of hitting on any one particular given pick. No, I agree with that. What, what are the chances that the Eagles are going to have a guy that can start from the fifth round versus we know Parker would be able to come in and start for us right away for a fifth round? And when you start talking about these first or second round picks, again, I can't disagree with you enough, respectfully disagree with you enough, like these are these are potential starters. These are potential did, pro bowlers. Yeah. These are potential, you know, <laughs> low contract. You get them on the rookie deal. They're cheap. They have so much potential. And I realize that once again, you're not drafting well. You have to draft better. Name me another team in the NFL that's just building their roster roster via just trades. And not through the draft. No, I'm, I, I'm always, you know, I'm a draft head. I'm, I'm, I'm always about building through the draft. But when there are players available that are, you know, once in a, once in a, uh, you know, come on, come along once every ten years, those are the kind of players you, you make moves for. If you look at the the Saints roster, 
doing they they've done a, a great job putting weapons around um, Drew Brees, you know, uh, Ramshack, uh, Lattimore, but they, you, these are players that make sense, uh, you know, um, Kamara. Uh, I mean, they've they've done a great job. You know, but if there's players available, you know, having a Lattimore who could be a lockdown corner for the price of the pin, that's 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 amazing. Um, but you know, Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys that I, I just he's a talent that you you have to make those moves for. But Jay, I I I will die on this hill. Jalen Ramsey was not solving all the problems. No, we're not asking him to solve. He's he solves a, an immediate need and a future. Here's one. Carson Wentz went 21 of 30, uh, 286 yards, three touchdowns against the Jaguars. Had one pick. Guess who that pick was by? Jalen Ramsey. Guess who won the game? Philadelphia Eagles. It takes more than one corner. No correlation. It takes more than one corner to go. Prime, prime. am I making sense here? Get, get, uh, Trox. He's using the he, Chewbacca he, he's defense. Like, he's like forcing you to say. No, yeah. no, no. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not forcing you. Oh, no, Jalen. There's, there's not a lot of players like Jalen Ramsey. There's not. Spence. I wish we had Spence camp fired up. You got that mic on? Is that mic working? What would you? What would you do? Would you stay the course, or would you go ahead and start throwing around some picks for some of these moves? What's that? He said throwing some picks. Start, start throwing, throwing some, some picks. picks. We'll see what the Eagles do. I mean, the trade deadline is coming up. And, next and one, of the, one of the guys you, you left off the list, Geno Atkins. He's a guy from the Bengals. He's still a productive player. I mean, what made you know seven Pro Bowls out of the last nine years. A guy who's on uh, – he, 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 they could possibly move on from him. Geno Atkins next to Fletcher Cox would get that interior pressure. You wouldn't have to worry as much about your, your corners when you got interior pressure like that. Right now, we don't have that interior pressure, and, and that is an issue as well when you're talking about our corners. And what would you give up for them? Oh, uh, I, I would give up a third, fourth. Hmm. All right. Well, you can tell that uh, it's, it's been a rough show. We've vented. We've steamed off a little bit. <laughs> we've disagreed with each other. We've got a little rambly. But we wanted you to start to submit some of your rants. We wanted you to kind of voice your opinions on what, and get it off your chest, right? Because Fourth and John is a show of the people. So we wanted to hear directly from the people. So we asked for your best 20, 30 second rant on what happened against the Dallas Cowboys. And let's roll the first one. Let's see who we got first. Like it's a Sunday night game, primetime rivalry. You're walking in there guaranteeing a W, and you walk out losing 37-10. to Look, we know that this team is missing the swagger, the Philadelphia attitude for some reason, but it doesn't matter. If you play sports for the city of Philadelphia, you put on that jersey and it says Philadelphia, you're representing something larger than yourself. You're representing a fan base, whether you've lived in Philadelphia, know somebody who lived in Philadelphia, or you just love Philly sports, you're representing a fan base that is passionate and prideful about what we do. I could care less Who's talking what about who is saying this? We're not here for soap opera storylines. We're here to win and to see a team with pride. And what we saw Sunday night was a team with no pride whatsoever. That is unacceptable. Birds fly south Preaching. podcast. Preaching. Dude, it, it hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we've, we've talked about... The, the, the relationship and the discord inside of the locker room. Keep in mind, the Eagles are in the middle of a three-game away stretch. These fans will turn. I know these people. I've been amongst these people. These fans, if they don't see maximum effort, they can stand losing if they see that you're putting forth the effort. If you start playing like you played against the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys and you go drop an egg against the Buffalo Bills and then you come home against the Bears and play that, all the boo birds are going to be singing. The boo birds are going to be singing. And then all of a sudden you've got the entire city not having your back. they're, They're almost playing against you at that point. Agreed? Agreed. Agreed. Let's roll the next one. Mike Rowe doesn't care for the offensive players on this Eagles team. I feel like the longer he stays, the more of a liability he might become. And uh, frankly, ever since uh, we la- last lost to the Cowboys in overtime, I wanted him fired. I mean, the only reason why he's still here is because we made the playoffs. I mean, does it really make that much a difference? Does he really care? 
You, you can tell that dude's he's just hurt. Oh, he's, he's hurting. He's just he's, he's, he's Monty G upset over there. Oh, oh my god, made, poor oh Monty G. God, Monty G cry, bro. I never seen that man get that depressed. Yeah. I never seen him depressed. Period. Yeah. That, was the, that, that was that broke him. That was the saddest thing yeah. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> to see Monty G with a thousand yard stare. And her ask it, you're gonna flip the bird on one more time, and him yeah, slowly reach up to the head. That that she was setting him up, yeah. and he's just staring off into the distance, just dead inside, tear rolling down his big old cheek. Yeah, big yeah. old teddy bear, Monty G. How can you not love the guy? Yeah, that was that was one of the sadder things that we saw, but one of the more infuriating things we saw. Do you happen to catch that guy that burnt the Carson Wentz oh, jersey right. and lit put it on fire? Put him in a bathroom. That is. Are the you kidding me? Put him in the bathroom. Are you kidding me? All, all, all for a little do, bar do, stool. Do, do, do you, think, do you actually think that guy's an Eagle fan, or no, no? I think he is. You think so? I don't. Buy I, it. I, I think there's. You got, you got his address. I think there. I think there's some. Want to give it to the people? I, I think. I, yeah. I just want to talk to him. <laughs> I think there's some. Leave. I think there's some knucklehead out there in Kutztown University <laughs> who uses his real name as his Twitter handle and then cowards out and makes it private and changes his Twitter handle. Don't worry, I already got the license plate number off of that one. I already. I, I, I already oh, know. I, I already. You. I already know. Kutztown. Kept the receipts. Yeah, I kept the receipts. Now use can't leave. Not, <laughs> now use can't leave. Listen. Um, <laughs> You can mail it directly here, Attention 4th and John, Wells, uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia Studios, Wells Fargo Center. We want you to turn in your fan card. That's it. Just turn in your fan card. You don't get to wear those colors if you're going to sit there. One of the things that always, like social media has been my thing for the Philadelphia Eagles since 2007. And I took pride in the fact that never once had I seen an Eagles fan burn a jersey. Yeah, you yeah. see it all over with other fan bases. You I mean, see it all over with other I mean, fan bases. I mean, at least donate the jersey. I mean, obviously, there's people that need jerseys out there. Like, listen. I can't tell you how many LeBron jerseys I've seen in, in I don't want to be a total hypocrite. But. We burnt the jersey, but you also raised $10,000 for charity, mm-hmm. and it belonged to a Giants fan. So, listen, just uh, once again, mail in your fan card. What else we got? Was that fun, boys and girls? Was that fun, Eagles? Did you like that? Did you like that? No. Eagle fans did not like that, nor do we appreciate that when you play with no heart. Play with some damn heart. Doug, rip them a new one. Now you got Dak Prescott thinking he's Joe Montana. No. Oh. Oh. Yikes. Jack's oh, out for the season. Like that. Oh, man. He <laughs> had a Bird bat man. and everything. Birdman, always representing the John. Wow. Okay. Passionate. Uh, That's what was going on inside my brain. Little, I'm not going to lie. A little violent. That, a little well, little not, that, no, I'm just saying. I like can feel that, the that, passion. That was my I anger. can feel the energy. And uh, I'm sure the Mr. Vampire Man certainly felt that bad. <laughs> Hopefully, he didn't put a dent in the wall. But we like the energy. We like the passion. We got another one? Thank you, Birdman. Let's go for it. But you got Dallas Goddard fumbling the football. Yep. You got Zach Ertz dressed as the Invisible Man for Halloween. Carson Wentz running for his life. And then Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar was tortured as a kid by Todd Pinkston in his alligator arms. But when he had alligator arms, it was basically because he was about to get killed. You have alligator arms that have nothing but green and end zone in front of you. You should Amen. cut immediately. I'll drive down to Philly, take you to the airport myself. And while we're driving, I'll make you watch videos of Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. And since you're not going to get cut and you're still on this team, if I see another performance like that, how about I drive to Novacare, put on my wrestling gear, and give you something you can't catch. Something that the Eagles caught this week. An ass whooping. Oh. That's our man, Chris Wild, professional wrestler. How did we get this far in the podcast without talking about Nelson Aguilar? Yeah. How are we here yeah. bickering amongst ourselves? This is like the Eagles locker room. This is a perfect like microcosm of the Eagles locker room. We're sitting here bickering amongst ourselves. <laughs> Meanwhile, guys like Nelson Aguilar are sitting, around. are sitting there skating by, yes. hoping to be unnoticed. For, for all the people that went and said, like, you know, you, wait until the other angle comes out. Maybe it wasn't as bad as it was. Oh, it, it, was. it was even worse. It was worse. It was even it worse. It confirmed what we all thought. Our man Mark Farzetta put out the coach's film of it, and it was even worse. I was watching that going. Remember that play in Atlanta when Carson Wentz threw that pick? Mm. I was re-watching the game. And remember that really bad one where it's like, who are you throwing it to? On TV, it didn't look that bad. To us there, it was like, where in the world were you going with that ball? So that thought crossed my mind as Nelson Aguilar sort of 
scrunched in his arms and refused to lay out for a ball, refused to do what he what was he needed to do in order for the Philadelphia Eagles to catch a lead, catch a break, catch anything, and he did not catch the ball. And it was just as bad as we thought it was. It's yeah. insane. I mean, you, you're paying $9.3 million for I lost it in the lights. Uh, for who, for I what? I got to do a better job of tracking the football. I got I to gotta play with urgency. This is – yo, this is – we're talking about starting NFL wide receiver. These are the kind of you don't do not, you don't pay nine million for that. It's terrible, dude. You don't draft that in the first round. It's terrible. All right, you know how I said Howie Roseman gets five percent? I just bumped it up to fifteen percent, <laughs> just based solely on Nelson Aguilar. You guys make a valid point there. We got one more. Let's go. What's up, Fourth and John? This is AJ. The worst thing about watching the Eagles play like that last night and the previous week in. Minnesota is that they still got one more away game and then there's the bye week and to know that they're playing below their potential is what's frustrating because as a fan you really can't do anything but watch and it just looks like the season's about to shrivel up and die if they don't do something quick and that and that speaks once again to like the trade deadline playing below your potential it's easy to get frustrated, and I and I totally agree with AJ there. It's easy to get frustrated when you see guys like Lane Johnson, who at times can look like the most dominant right tackle in the NFL, give up a sack like that against uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah. It, it, it it's frustrating to see guys like Malcolm Jenkins get trucked by Ezekiel Elliott, but for the rest of this guy, rest of this team. Like, listen, maybe they're not playing up to their potential. Maybe they're playing at their potential. Like, this is it, bro. Yeah, I just I feel like you know they are, are you start to think like are the players getting too old? They've yes. been too been through too much. Have they went from the hungry dogs to the lazy dogs? Uh, you know it's it's you know they won that Super Bowl. Are some of the players that weren't involved playing at a, a higher potential because you know they want a Super Bowl and want to play in a Super Bowl? It's weird. The, the, the dynamic is weird right now. Tomorrow we're gonna put up a poll, right? To trade or not to trade. Hashtag Team Gale versus Team E-Rock. We're going to revisit this next week after our trip to Buffalo. I mean, why not? Why? 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 Where's it, where's it going to get you? Where's it ultimately going to land you? I mean, when, if you have a player that makes sense, then you do it. Like, because if you, if you don't do it, the all players right, are right. looking at the fr- right, right. franchise we're, we're, and saying, we're, we're, hey, you got to do it. We're going to revisit this one. Oh, hey, put after it on the, the timeline. After, after Team Gale or Team E-Rock? Go ahead. Put the hashtag. I'm gonna look this stuff up. Be that dude on <laughs> Twitter questions. We got any? Uh, yeah. At fly sixty four wants to know. This is a hard question, folks. But can we finally admit that Alshon isn't a wide receiver one? I think he's a wide receiver one. I still think he's. I still think. I mean, he's also coming one. off injury as well. But he 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 needs to be not snitch number one. Uh, we're speaking of snitching. I mean, I mean, Chris Long, he said on the Ringer podcast, a source told Chris Long the said person last year that spoke to Josina Anderson was not Alshon. That's from Chris Long's mouth. We need to find He's stoned. He's stoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole thing about, like, putting Alshon on black, like, like now he's the snitch. You think that's his, that's his M.O.? I don't know. We need to find the snitch. Loose lips sink ships, man. I mean, Alshon no, usually says what he, what's on his mind, no? What? Yeah, usually says what's on his mind. So, this one, um, yeah, mainly directed at the man that doesn't want any trades. What are your thoughts about maybe simplifying the defense and playing the strengths of our players? How do you think we can do that? I mean, you, you definitely With what we've got. It. I mean, what, Malcolm what? Jenkins said it last year when you had guys that are newcomers into the defense. you got to simplify it, you know, give them a chance to succeed. What are the strengths of your defense? Oh wait, I'm asking you. I'm asking. I'm asking everybody. What are the strengths of the defense? What strengths? What strengths? I'm talking about the what corners. Strengths? What strengths? What, what strengths? strengths? Playing regular cornerback, like the stuff that they're doing, seven, eight yards off. I mean, and playing outside shape. Yeah, listen, I'm not saying that Jim Schwartz is without blame, but it's it's all it's also a complete lack of talent that he's working with, and he has to do some creative things to try to manufacture it. And Eagles fans, we've all seen this in the last couple of weeks, where he's starting to design blitzes and stuff like that to manufacture pressure. Think about it. He's thin on defensive end. We knew this going into the season. And so far, those Derek Barnett's that we were hoping would take the next step. He's been good, but he hasn't taken the next step. Uh, Brandon Graham is uh, clearly 
either status quo or even you can arguably lost the step. Josh Sweat had a good game, but again, we're talking about you know Hall and stuff like that. We were thin at defensive end. Defensive tackle was a deep strength of ours, and now all of a sudden it's Fletcher Cox end. Fletcher Cox end. That's it. Your linebackers are all injured. Who do we got? We got Gary and Camus, and who's the other guy? The new guy. I'm so angry right now. <laughs> either either way, you've got a bunch of inexperienced and or like lackluster linebackers. Uh, your safeties are pretty good, and then you got trash corners. So, what exactly, sort of schematically, do you expect Jim Schwartz to do that's going to uh, uh, appeal to the strengths? The strengths appeal to the strengths of this defense. The strengths of your players, though. You have to play the strengths of your players. There's 11 if, players out if, there. If you, you know, can't, you if, can't if you know your players' that, weaknesses, that, that, yeah. Then you have to play. Yep, that's what you have to do. Like if you know you, if you're putting a player in a wrong position to to win, it's it's not going to work. And, and the whole NFL has figured it out already. And, and that's why you see every week they're dropping mad points on us. I mean, because it's we've been figured out defensively. So you you have to figure it out. I'm not saying that Jim Schwartz is without sin. I, I, I can certainly. Pull I, I would thing. give him percentage. I would. I, forgot, I'll, I, forgot, I'll, I listen. I'll give, I'll give him percentage points. But you also have to take into consideration oh, yeah, the I mean, fact that with the talent that he's working with. I'm sorry. That's but, just But don't just you think facts. Malcolm Jenkins has said something to like I, there's 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 the issue in that locker room, I think, for the lack of you talent. Think? For the lack of talent. Right. I, I think the players are starting to, you know, starting to eat at each other. Because yeah. they're like, we can't work with the, the talent that you're giving us right now. And hey. I'm sure Jim Schwartz is saying schematically, what exactly do you want me to do with this slop that I have in quarter? If I put a man-to-man, listen, Jalen Mills is going to put a hand on the guy, and then you saw what happened to Razul Douglas. He gets burned. Okay, so we, so we take them and we put them seven yards back. I got Sidney Jones biting on double moves left you, and right. But you can't leave players on the island. Yeah, I mean, you give him some safety help. That's the only thing I can give you. And he's give trying to design safety help, and all of a sudden, Malcolm Jenkins, but he's not Douglas, doing thinks he's, he's got safety help, and there's a miscommunication in the secondary. That's on Malcolm Jenkins, by the way, one of your leaders. Yeah. So I understand Jim Schwartz deserves blame and a good amount of blame. Malcolm, what does it say? Malcolm it Jenkins. It says Malcolm Jenkins said today that the Eagles have never had a players-only meeting uh, since he's been there, and he doesn't think that they need one now either. Do you think that is correct? Do you stand by that? No, you absolutely. If you're not having a players-only meeting right now, what the hell are you doing? You should absolutely. Have a player's now. I don't need to hear about it. You don't need to talk about it in the media. But they should absolutely 100% be having a players-only meeting. Number one, let's hash it out so it doesn't reach the media. Number two, let's keep people from talking to the media. Number three, let's figure this thing out. I don't know. As a team, as a team, as a leader would do. What else we got? Is that it? I got one more. You ready for this one? Yeah. All right, uh, Pro Master Flash wants to know: Do the Eagles go and sign a AB? 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 Anybody? Uh, no, no draft picks for AB. Pro, pro Master Flash. <laughs> I've seen I, that I, a lot of times. I, I love your body, buddy. But uh, you want to talk about toxicity or problems in the locker room? Uh, why don't you just throw that grenade called Antonio Bryant into the locker room and see what happens and watch this whole thing blow up to pieces. Yeah. I don't think he's mentally there right now. I, hey, you like, gotta do something. Like he was uh, he was on YouTube with like YouTubers if there's a like player last out week. there. I'll get that. Come on. Get this guy out of here. It's gonna be a band-aid. Are we gonna, are we gonna give draft picks up for AB? No. Everybody ready for the Buffalo trip? Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> The five and one Buffalo Bills, who by the way hung tight with the defending Super Bowl champion hey, New England guess Patriots. What? We, what? Should, we should have signed Jalen Ramsey. Oh God, I hope they put me through a table. We could put you over Niagara. Yeah, but getting put through a table right now has less to do with like a bucket list item and more to do just to find a way to end it quickly. <laughs> this, is, this is this is getting rough. But for everybody that's traveling up with the Green Legion, for everybody, all the Eagles fans that are traveling up there, it's going to be wet, it's going to be soggy, but we'll see you up there. Please hit us in the DMs if you're up there. We would love to meet you. Say hello. Um, shout outs. Concha Hawk and Bakery. Um, Bud Light. Bud Light, Design Tree shirts. Can we, can we, can we get Birdman on the, on the exit? I just feel like I need a little more Birdman in my life. Can we, can we get that as an intro? All right, so until next time, boys and girls, let's go <laughs> birds. And um, That was Monty G-esque. <sighs>
flag. Flag of flag. Boys and girls, was that fun, Eagles? <laughs> did you like that? Did you like that? No. Eagle fans did not like that, nor do we appreciate that when you play with no heart. Play with some damn heart. Doug, rip them a new one. Now you got Dak Prescott thinking he's Joe Montana. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.